0: On today's episode, we dive into another Casey An- Casey Anthony? <laughs> Why am I talking about you? I don't need to talk about you, girl. Murder on that wow. beach, like
1: Casey Anthony. <laughs> I'm Jenna. And I'm Khadija. Welcome to the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. We've created this space for fans of the horror noir film genre that crave nuanced representation and commentary. From the perspectives of black women, black storytellers, and black horror fans, who geek out and freak out (laughs) over anything that gets us gooped and spooked. Welcome back to another episode of the Ghouls and Dem podcast. Check our episode description for content and trigger warnings if your head or your heart requires that information.
0: And of course, there will be many spoilers ahead. On today's episode, we dive into another Casey Lemons production, Eve's Bayou. Huh. Do you think if we review another one of her films, she'll sponsor us?
1: I hope you're listening to our show. <laughs> Ooh, we love you. We also need to pay off our student loans. So cha-ching. real talk. Okay, so Eves Bayou graced the screens on November seventh, nineteen ninety seven. A family drama filled with secrets. A coming of age tale covered in voodoo. Written and directed by Casey Lemons. You? Ye- ye? Yes, girl. Get it. Our story starts with a powerful quote by our narrator Eve. Memory
0: is a selection of images. Some elusive, others printed
1: indelibly on the brain. Right away, our narrator tells us that she killed her father at the age of 10. We learn that the town that Eve and her
0: family live in is named after a slave. A general Jean-Paul Baptiste was stricken with cholera and saved by an African slave, who he rewarded by giving her a
1: piece of land by the bayou. General Jean-Paul Baptiste and Eve had 16 children who created a bloodline that leads all the way to our main protagonist, present-day Eve, by way of her father, played by Samuel L. Jackson. We arrive on the scene of a party at the Baptiste
0: family home. It's 1962 in Louisiana. Everybody's having a good time. The music is booming. The drinks are flowing, and so is the gossip. Kiki. <laughs> we meet Grand Mayor and that's Grandma for all you Anglophones, who is played by Ethel Eyre, a.k.a. Mrs. Huxtable's mother. She's being assaulted by Mr. and Mrs. Lenny and Maddie Moreau, who are practically dry-humping in her lap.
1: The couple is played by Roger Gunver Smith and Lisa Nicole Carson. They're hot and they're married, so they feel no ways about rubbing up on each other right on the dance floor.
0: Grandmère, on the other hand... Chirping in Creole about smacking a bitch for shaking her ass <laughs> in her face because that, my friend, is a party
1: Yes, problem. get your ass out of my face, little girl. So we meet Uncle Harry, who's played by Branford Marsalis. He's taking photos of the guests, which is how we're introduced to Black Cinematic Royalty, Lynn Whitfield, an absolute fucking queen. She plays Ros Baptiste, mother to young Eve.
0: Standing with Roz is her sister-in-law, Moselle Baptiste Delacroix, played by Debbie Morgan, another legend. Mm. We see Eve run up to the adults asking if anybody wants any chocolate. So her uncle Harry humors her and buys some. You are led to believe that Eve and Harry have a very good relationship. His
1: nickname for Eve is Red. You know, I love that because people often forget that black people can be gingers, too. You know? Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eve's little brother, Poe, runs up and is swooped into the arms of their mother. This makes little Eve jealous. So she offers her brother some chocolate. Eve waits until his mouth is full before revealing that they're chocolate-covered bees.
0: What the fuck is wrong with this child? Like, what a shithead little kid. (laughs) She's walking around, right? She's walking around serving bug chocolate to guests. Oh, but it now that line makes sense now when H- Uncle Harry was saying that the chocolate was chewy. Ew. Or crunchy? Ew. Yeah, no, it was crunchy. He uh, said the chocolate was crunchy. That's so
1: disgusting. Which is why Poe is understandably cheesed, and he tries to throw hands at his sister. I probably would have done the same. They chase each other 100%. around the house like cats and dogs before big sister Sicily, who's played by Megan Good, another legend in the making, who puts them in their place with a Shakespeare quote. Tybalt, Mercutio,
0: the prince expressly hath forbidden bandying... In Verona Streets. And you know what the best part about seeing this and hearing this? Is the fact that we get to see the economic status of this family already in the mix. And we get to see the family and their other social circles at the party.
1: I know, right? We get to see these little black kids reading Shakespeare. It's, it's a vibe, and I'm here for it. hmm So all sibling rivalry aside... They share the last sips of champagne together, almost like Tybalt, Mercutio, and Romeo would have done a beautiful friendship. (laughs) They get their drink on, and then they're back on that grind serving drinks to the party guests. And this is where we meet Louis Baptiste, played by
0: Samuel L. Jackson. This movie is stacked. Y'all, it's a beautiful thing. We see a bit of flirting between Louis Baptiste and the aforementioned Mrs. Maddie Moreau. This flirting takes them to the dance floor where they give the other guests a show with their dot-to-dancing. They was having the time of their lives and that gumbo was for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... We overhear a guest complimenting Grandmare, Louis' mother, on the accomplishments of her son. Dr. Louis Baptiste is the best colored doctor in all of Louisiana. Grandmare takes the compliment with a grain of salt. She seems proud of her son, but she also seems tired of his bullshit in a way that only an all black mother could embody.
0: And we don't even know what that bullshit is yet, but we're about to find mm-hmm. out. So the dance ends, right? and Mrs.
1: Moreau is want out, rock up. She's yo. tired. <laughs> she's fanning herself and not even attempting to hide the fact that she's wet in the panties for Dr. Lewis. Pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-punani! No, Jenna. It's pun na 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 Papa Papa? Pa? No. Pa, pa.
0: poo nani. Poo-poo-poo-poo-poo. Oh man.
1: Poanani nanny. All right.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna stop <laughs>
1: let's get back to the story, shall we?
0: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Eve feels left out when her dad asks Sicily to have the next dance with him. And he actually makes Eve hold the tray of drinks while this is going on. So Eve just busts out and she runs off to the dusty carriage house in the back and she falls asleep in an old car. But she wakes up to the sounds of her father clapping Mrs. Moreau's cheeks. You know,
1: catching your father, catching your father hooking up with a woman that isn't your mother is triggering as fuck, which is why Eve has a full on panic attack.
0: Mm hmm. Louis mid stroke, okay? But he does the best that he can to console his daughter. He tells Miss Moreau to scram and mix him a drink so he can do some damage (laughs) control with Eve. Because, oh lordy, this is gonna be a mess. It already is a a mess.
1: So while making their way back to the house, Louis reassures Eve that he loves her mother, saying that he thinks she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Eve asks her dad why he doesn't dance with her at parties, but only in private.
0: Mm, Not saying. He promised her that he will dance with her at all the parties and tries to put her insecurities to rest. Roz comes out the front, taking note of the somber tone between father and daughter. She sends Eve to bed with a cute little reminder. Go upstairs and say your prayers and never Never cheat cheat the the man man upstairs.
1: upstairs. (laughs) Eve checks in with Louis. She seems attentive, but we still get a vibe that the relationship isn't what it seems. I mean,
0: obviously something's not right. Because we just saw him knee deep in another woman <laughs> and then calmly, I mean calmly, cool as a cucumber, negotiate his child's well-being after being caught
1: cheating by her. I, you know, I was shocked. Like, how was he so chill about his daughter catching him fornicating with another woman?
0: Mm. You tell me, also fornication. Ugh. good Ugh. word. <laughs> Thank you. I read and shit. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not even too sure about him, because, like, he might be a sociopath. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so (laughs) don't doctor at me. But Eve goes upstairs to get ready for bed, and her sister
1: asks where she's been. Eve, while putting on her PJs, starts to break down and tell Cicely what she just witnessed in the carriage house. Man...
0: It's hard to tell which of these sisters is more traumatized by what happened because Cicely is visibly shattered when she hears from her sister that her dad was getting fresh
1: with Mrs. Moreau. Cicely grabs her sister by the shoulders and gives her a retelling of what happened from her own perspective. Stop it. I'm going to tell you what happened. They went for more wine, Daddy told her a joke, she fell against him laughing, and they woke you up. Mm.
0: This forced retelling of the incident from the older sister's perspective is fucked up. So fucked. Like, right? Like, did she see something like this happen before? Is this like a coping mechanism to hmm. all this craziness? Hmm. Or like, is she trying to protect her sister from the truth or
1: herself from the truth? Right? Right. So by the time the new chain of events are laid down from Cicely's perspective, we overhear a fight happening outside between Uncle Harry and Louis. Uncle Harry is insisting that he be able to drive home, even though he's totally wasted. It feels like there's a performance about to happen here.
0: me, 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 Okay, go for it. Go for it. You think, because you're a doctor, you think you know every fucking thing. You know what? You don't know every fucking thing.
1: Fuck you, doc. I'm sick of your shit. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, round of applause. Yes, everyone. Yes, yes. yes, Take a bow. Take a bow. Yes, take it. <laughs> Rihanna took it. You can take it, too, because you put on quite a show. Really entertaining. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> So Moselle pours Harry into the passenger seat and prepares to drive his drunk-ass home. That night, Eve has a vision of her Uncle Harry's death, and this is where we learn that Eve has the
1: gift of being a seer. And what a gift to have. The next moment shows Eve at a gravesite laying flowers on Uncle Harry's grave. She takes us on a walk to Moselle's house because she's not doing so well at the moment. Remember, her husband just died. Mm. We enter Moselle's house with Eve. She
0: leads us into a room with a grand canopy bed where Moselle limply lays. Eve encourages Moselle to get up because she's got clients coming today, and this is where we find out that Sears seem to run in the Baptiste family.
1: Aunt Moselle is in a deep depression, and little Eve is trying to help her get some pep in her step. Eve helps her out of bed, brushes her hair for her, and tells her that she doesn't look so bad.
0: Bless that child.
1: She's
0: trying. She's trying. (laughs) Moselle sees a vision of all her dead husbands, confirming for the audience that she is, in fact, a seer. Despite that, she couldn't predict the future of any of her husbands and, in turn, couldn't prevent any of their deaths. Moselle puts her gifts to work,
1: baby! (laughs) Moselle is visited by two women, the clients that Eve was trying to get her out of bed for. First, Miss Hillary, who wants to know where her son has disappeared to. Followed by a desperate Mademoiselle Reynard, who wants to know where all her money has gone. Moselle is able to seek answers for these women through her touch.
0: Yeah, you just lay your hands in hers and she can see your whole life. She tells Miss Hillary that she sees her son in Detroit and that he's hooked on drugs and she'll find him at St. Michael's Hospital
1: next Tuesday. Neither of these women is having the best day. Mademoiselle Reynard's problem is that her niece has drained her life savings. Moselle feels for this poor woman, so she gives her the necessities for a money spell. Let's hope it worked.
0: Mm. Moselle and Eve are going for a walk where she tries to be cute and get some of her aunt's cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I love this child <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Let me have a snack <laughs> uh, Moselle takes it back from Eve Almost as a comeback for taking the cigarette Eve says to her aunt You told daddy you don't do voodoo Moselle laughs off the comment And they continue on their walk
1: <laughs> We cut to a scene where we see Poe and Eve Eavesdropping on mom, Moselle, and Grandmère. They've come together to talk shit about Lewis being a waste hoe. It turns out that an mm. unknown woman has called the house, but we can all guess who she was. Ooh. Miss <coughs> <Ms>. Moreau. <coughs> probably Maddie.
0: <laughs> but at this point, it it really could be anybody at this point. It was probably real,
1: though. her, though. Let's be real.
0: Almost definitely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So Cicely shows up and chews out Poe and Eve for listening in on adult conversations, which is wrong Uh. and blah, blah, blah. But she Mm. chews them away and then sits down to listen for herself. At that moment, Lewis walks in. Cicely jumps up to give him the tea about how the ladies are mad at him. Go down to King's and come back later, Daddy. Yo, Cicely is really
0: out here giving her dad the tricks and the tips of dodging
1: said bitch. And a child like, will lead them. <laughs> wow, Sicily, oh. I mean, I get it. She riding for her daddy. You know, but this man decides not to take his daughter's warning. And you know what he does? What do you do? He sticks his head in the room where you see an unhappy sight of women. He points at them and says, who them? They always mad. Can you believe that?
0: Ah, you know, it just goes to show you that Lewis feels pretty, 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 pretty pretty, pretty, pretty comfortable. (laughs) Yeah, comfortable. Some might say good even. Even, maybe even,
1: unstoppable. The next day, we enter a day in the life of Dr. Lewis Batiste. Eve has come along for the walk while her father does his house calls. We get to take in the sights of Eve's bayou. We even get to revisit Mademoiselle Reynard. It seems like she's putting that money spell Moselle gave her to use. We see her clutching a pouch around her neck as Eve and Louis leave her porch.
0: Mmm. But look whose house we're going to next. We're going to Stevie Hobbs's house.
1: I just want to point out that Stevie Hobbs is played by none other than Victoria Rowell, mm,
0: and another one. Mm-hmm. That's right. Shout out to the Y&R fans. Yo, <clears throat> what was that theme song again? Oh my god! Like, do do na, do 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 do. Do. this is. <laughs>
1: I'm not even really sure if that's it. I'm just thinking of like the most dramatic sounds I can make with my mouth. It's just piano. It's just like really sad. Yeah, it's a sad grand piano. Dun 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 faces coming up being like
0: oh <laughs> oh the young and the restless i'm like you're young
1: and restless why you have so much money but i digress <laughs> so lewis is examining stevie who's totally not sick at all
0: mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. it's pretty obvious that there is some Sexual tension just between the bit. good doctor and his baby. Just, yeah, j- just a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, man. Hey, girl. Just a little bit. <laughs> However, Eve is standing at the end of Stevie's bed. Hello. Like, you're really trying You're really trying to chop her. You're really trying to chop her while your child is in the same room. Bold, like, sir. who raised you? Bold. Bold, bright, and stink. Oh. And then Stevie asked Lewis. Please,
1: give her something for the pain. (laughs) You know, the only thing that can treat her pain is some vitamin D. Louis sees what's being laid down, as it were, so he tells Eve to go outside and play.
0: And I thought it would be nice. (laughs) On the walk home, it's clear that Eve is picking up on her gallivanting father. You know, she's starting to
1: question her father about Stevie's illness. She also asks her father if he wants other children. But we know our man, Louis, and how slick he can be. He plays around with his answer. At first, he says no, and that his three children are enough for him.
0: He also takes it to the next level by play examining Eve. By the end of his examination, he gaslights Eve and asks her why she would say such a stupid thing. But we already know what Lewis is about. And I just feel like this is far, far from over. Mm -hmm. Like, we're probably only like 20 minutes into the movie.
1: We got time. We got time. We got tons to find out at this point, which is why we're about to visit Roz and Moselle, who are taking a walk down a dirt path by the water. Moselle is trying to be there for Roz. She might be Lewis's sister, but she and Roz have a special bond. Hoes before bros.
0: Mm, sisters before misters. So Roz tells us how she fell in love with Louis after watching him set a little boy's broken leg. Now here's a man that fixes things. He'll take care of me. And then she left her family behind and moved to the swamp for him, so... (laughs) mm
1: -mm. And and now she's left with this shit show of a husband. Exactamundo. So, they lead us down to a riverside market. There are fruit stands and vendors everywhere, and the place is packed with people. In the crowd, we see Elzora and her fortune teller stand. Elzora Is played by Diane Carroll. Mm,
0: And another one. (laughs) Oh, I'm getting whiplash from all these beautiful, amazing, talented people. (laughs) (sighs) Ross seems delighted to see the stand and wants to get her fortune told. But Moselle is not feeling it. She says, I'm a psychic counselor. That woman is a fraud. And whatever, Roz shakes it off the negative vibes and gets her fortune told anyway.
1: Elzora has Roz empty out a bag of bones on the table so she can see what's really going on. Elzora sees through the bones that Roz is in pain and that the pain will stop in approximately three years' time. Elzora also says to look to her children. Mm. That's it? Mm, yep, that's it. Hmm. After saying this, Elzora asks for her dollar, and Roz gets upset. I mean, I guess she wanted more, but Zora still got to get paid.
0: <laughs> Roz's fortune piques Moselle's interest, and she begins to believe what Alzora's laying down. Moselle takes a seat, and you can already tell that this might be a rough encounter. So Moselle puts her dollar in the jar, and Elzora tells her, She don't need no bones to tell her future. Mm. She's a curse. Mm. The black widow. And the next man that marries her is a dead man. And it will always be that way.
1: Damn. Moselle fucking loses it. She smashes Elzora's money jar and runs off. So back in town, Roz and Moselle are walking down the street trying to shake that shit off when suddenly, Moselle has a vision of a child getting licked down by a bus or a train or some sort of motor vehicle.
0: I do want to point out, before we go further, that when she goes so ham and throws that money jar down on the floor, (laughs) do you see how she flail,
1: runs away? Yo, she's like... (laughs) She's out of there in the most dramatic sense ever. Like, she's having... She's just she, She's it's a whole vibe. It's a whole vibe. She's like she put her whole body into into rebuking this fortune and exiting this this scenario. She just had to be gone, and she needed her whole body to do that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs>
0: After this traumatic vision, Moselle and Roz heed Elzora's warning. The decision that Ross comes to is that the children are not to leave the house until further notice. She tells them this at dinner, and of course, Louis thinks Roz and Moselle are overreacting.
1: The little ones are distraught because it's the middle of summer. Grandmare is disappointed in her son and calls upon a time when people took warnings like this seriously.
0: Mm -hmm. And as well as a time when children did not participate in adult business. (sighs) She also sticks up for her daughter, acknowledging that Moselle's visions
1: have always come true. Roz puts her foot down and says that no one will be leaving the house until she says so. There you go. Finally, girl. Fuck them kids. (laughs) Louis seems done with this conversation and says that he has to go back to work. But peep this. It's Sunday. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. The Lord's Day.
0: And it's the South in 1962. So I know you don't have to go to work. They ain't sending you to work. Jesus would be upset if you went to work on Sunday.
1: I mean, I guess that just goes by what you define as work either Shut way <laughs> either way Roz is upset by this because Lewis is rarely ever home like where is this man Well you know we see this throughout the film
0: oh yeah no 100 percent. at this point he's like ghost dead okay peep this everybody if you've watched that movie we have things to discuss okay <laughs> I'm going to go back there. But Lewis gaslights Roz, telling her that sickness doesn't have a timeline or some shit like that,
1: whatever. So once more, Lewis is gone. Cicely is not having these limitations and thinks that they need to ease up on her daddy. She comes in on Roz hot. She says that her mother is being immature and unreasonable. Can you imagine telling your mother that she's being immature and unreasonable? Okay,
0: I can't. Say that, because I mean, I I'm understand. not saying you I was an unruly child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you told your mama like it was. But, like, she, that, Rod seems like a more reasonable mom than my mom, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna harp on her too much. Fair. I, I would have preferred to have a role model like that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> but Roz, but Roz ain't playing today. She ain't playing today. No, 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 Siree. This woman has the world on her shoulders, and people just keep putting on more weight. Mm. So Roz stands her ground this time on the lockdown idea. And Cicely gets the memo, but she ain't happy about it, though.
1: Lockdown has started to make these kids crazy. That's a feeling I know Yo. well.
0: Hashtag 2020.
1: Yo life imitating (laughs) art imitating life imitating art (sighs) so you know they the kids they played all the games they read all the books they memorized and recited all of shakespeare's tragedies these kids are catching cabin fever hard oh
0: man and eve starts to become restless and we know what happens when this child becomes restless (laughs) so of course she's gotta start playing pranks on people (laughs) so she grabs a fake snake and she hides it in Poe's room and then she starts wandering through the house, frustrated with everything that's happened because she just wants to be free.
1: Eve makes her way into the kitchen where Grandma is sitting at the table and Roz is trying to keep herself together while chopping potatoes.
0: Who chops potatoes like that?
1: She's under stress.
0: Yeah, okay, okay. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'll take that back. But... She looks like she's out here cutting trees, not potatoes.
1: I'm just saying. Listen, Lynn Whitfield was rocking a bright red almond-shaped manicure in that scene. I was Mm -hmm. almost as worried she was going to ruin her manicure or, like, (laughs) lose a finger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Eve enters the kitchen at the very moment that Roz slices her finger because of all that wild potato chopping and shit. She hears her mother cussin' about cutting herself, and seeing this leaves Eve to let out
1: some of her own frustration with the fine art of cussin' as well. Grandmare hears Eve cuss and is itching to give her a smack. But before that could happen, we hear Poe scream from upstairs. Guess he found that toy snake that Eve left in his room. Mm, and Eve continues on her rant. She even brings up her
0: father's absence. And you can see that this is breaking Rose's heart.
1: Well, let's see. Her husband is cheating on her with the whole bayou. The thought of divorce Mm -hmm. likely isn't an option. It's 1962 and Mm -hmm. she has three children to take care of. I'd say she's just a little bit stressed out. Oh, 100%. Eve ain't making it any easier for her. Nope. No, she is not. The last straw that Eve pulls is when she asks where her daddy is. And when her mother replies (gasps) with work, she spits back. Not every night he's not working. I know he's not. And uh whoop. And the goopery. <laughs> oh. These
0: Baptists have so strong tongues. Like, they're just like swords, like cutting. They cutting, spit hot cut, fire. Cut, cut, cut. Like, yeah, no, that was a full-on roast. So Rotisserie.
1: Moselle, seeing all this heat, decides to intervene and takes Eve into the next room. She tells Eve that she's not helping her mother by acting this way. Eve tells her aunt that she's nervous because he's messing with other women. In that moment, Eve spills the beans, telling her aunt
0: exactly what she saw in the carriage house. Moselle hushes Eve, telling her she needs a moment to think. She then asks Eve if she's told anybody else about the incident.
1: Eve lies and says no, even though we know that she told Sicily right away. Moselle tells her she better not tell anyone what she saw or she'll kill her. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. That's like, who, like that's, that's not the appropriate response to give much. to a child who tells you something so, like, impactful.
0: That's almost like Mo at Mo's Tavern, just being like, "Yo, I'm gonna kill it." Like, I just feel like when he gets, like, prank called, and he's just like, "I'm gonna like oh, chuck yeah. you you, I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna cut off your legs and things like that." And I'm like, "Bro, uh, are you really though? The very definitely. Are you of really overkill. doing a homicide? <laughs> are we going into SVU territory?" Like, what are we doing oh <sighs> my god but in the same breath she tells eve that your daddy loves you and he loves your mama and moselle explains the virtues of cheating on your man i'm lucky i don't have any children to catch me
1: <laughs> the moral of the story is don't get caught <laughs> Moselle Moselle begins to tell Eve and the audience about her old beau, Hosea, shooting her husband, Maynard, in the chest. It seems like infidelity is a common Baptiste trait.
0: Oh, yeah. Sometimes, like, snacks are everywhere, and there's too many. You got to lick that one and (laughs) bite on that one. So Louis comes home late from probably, he's probably full of snacks, and Cicely is waiting up for him, and she's going to fix him a drink. But they get interrupted by Eve. And they're both starving for his attention, you know? But Cicely is so mad about this intervention by Eve, especially
1: when he sends them both. He sends them both to bed. So now we go back to Moselle's house where we're met with a mysterious stranger, Julian Grey Raven, who's played by Vondi Curtis Hall, who I just saw in Coming to America. He plays the yeah. Zemundan citizen who lives in mm-hmm. New York. And he works for mm. the uh, for the baseball team.
0: Yeah, um, I actually also watched a movie with him in it too, with uh, Alfred. Or is it Alfred? That lady with like the really big eyes. Alfred Woodard. Like, yeah. Alfred Woodard. Oh, I love her. Oh my God. she's a- and it's like she's in it and he's in it, and he still rocks like the whole like cowboy thing he just doesn't have like straight hair or whatever that wig is that they put on his head but they have a cowboy hat and he's in like a louisiana like bayou kind of band and he plays like electric guitar like i actually like i think he can get it like i think i'll give it to him if
1: any of our followers know what movie jenna is talking about please tweet us with the title
0: (laughs) yeah because i forget what it's called so like help me out
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was good though it was really good So Julian Grey Raven shows up at Moselle's door looking for help. It's so dramatic, you know,
0: like the rain is coming in and it's cascading off the cowboy hat (laughs) and he's got this long flowing gray hair and like his coat drips with the rainwater onto his easel because he's (laughs) a painter, how romantic. And he just explains to Moselle that his wife left him a year ago and that he's been searching for her.
1: Julian Grey Raven is forlorn and desperate to find his woman. Moselle, moved by his passion, reaches out her hands and they touch. Through her gift, she's able to see his wife. But she's fucking another man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's her new husband for sure. Like, thank you
1: next. Yeah, like man. what?
0: You're they're getting married. You
1: can't have a dramatic entrance like that and then just dip Mm -mm. because like Sunday
0: kind of love is playing in the background while he paints a portrait of Moselle sitting at the piano and they end up swapping spit lots of spit whopping spit that kind
1: Uh, oh oh yeah he's staying (laughs) (laughs) so we go
0: back to the baptiste house where everybody is in distress because no one knows where Cicely is. And Roz is about to have a heart attack until Sis just
1: walks in the back door like nothing happened. Time stops. Carry on. Petit on fleek, Petit on fleet Cicely strolls in like nothing is an issue. She tells everyone that she went to find her dad at work and that she went to go get her hair done. Ooh. You gonna get it? Mm. This fresh little girl looks her mama dead in the eye and says that she had to take the bus and cross the tracks, trying to prove a point that she didn't get hit by anything. Mm-hmm.
0: But she sure got hit
1: by Roz's backhand,
0: though.
1: Ha! Listen, we're not condoning violence against children. We're just stating the facts nope. of the film. And within the context mm-hmm. of this world, she had it coming. She got knocked the fuck out. Oh, I mean... <laughs> I wouldn't say she got knocked the fuck out. She got she got a strong backhand. She got slapped the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs) That night, Roz sits by the window in the same seat Cicely usually waits up for Lewis in. Cicely creeps downstairs to presumably do the same. Roz has a little chat with her daughter. I know you love your daddy, and your daddy loves you. I just don't want you waiting up for him anymore.
1: It's in this moment where you begin to see that Roz may have some suspicions about Cicely and Lewis's relationship. This is constantly questioned throughout the film. But the film itself is all about perception, right?
0: Even Cicely overhear their parents fighting that night. Roz is laying into Louis for being a dog, and although we can't hear clearly, we know... We know that she ain't holding back.
1: <laughs> so back at Moselle's, Julian Grey Raven tells Moselle he has to leave their love nest so he can go find his wife. Moselle's confused by this because she already told him that his wife had moved on to the next dick. <laughs> Grey
0: Raven is teasing Moselle a bit, you know? He tells her that he needs to find his wife so he can divorce her
1: Mm, and marry moselle i know it's so cute (laughs) moselle tells gray raven not to bother though because she's barren cursed he tells her she's not barren she's wounded and he wants to be there for her damn yeah gray raven
0: yes like i gotta get me a gray raven
1: i will take two gray ravens please
0: Oh, every, everyone. You get a gray raven. You, you get, get a gray, gray raven. raven. You Everybody get a gray raven. gets a gray raven. And he eats ass too. <laughs> I just oh, That's wish... speculating. Maybe he doesn't. I don't
1: know. I don't know if he does, but I think it's fair to assume. I think it's fair to at least imagine that he does. I just wish that for, I wish that for Bozell. I really do.
0: I think, I think. I think it will happen. They're open
1: spirits. (laughs)
0: Later, we see Moselle walking through town when she comes across a crowd of people. The scene looks exactly like her vision from earlier, a young boy that has a striking resemblance to Poe has been struck
1: and killed by a bus. Moselle runs over to Roz to tell her the news. They have a full-on celebration. And Grandmère disapproves of the scene they're making, reminding them that a young boy has just died. But no one's really paying attention because they're all now free. Oh, I can't
0: wait until we're free. Locked
1: up 3.0. <laughs> so Locked up. They won't let me out. It's too real, man. It's too real. So Eve goes to wake up Cicely from a nap to tell her the good news. Cicely doesn't want to get up and seems pretty annoyed by Eve, pushing her off the bed. Mm-hmm. And while on the floor, Eve finds
0: a pair of bloody panties. Cicely has gotten her first period and is clearly very unhappy about it.
1: Eve starts harassing Cicely about her period, threatening to share the news with their father. This causes Cicely to go fucking apeshit. They chase each other around the house, ending up in the front yard. Mmm,
0: because Cicely is actually trying to strangle her sister. Like, for real, like two hands full grip. (laughs) So the adults come by and they break up the fight before it gets worse.
1: Later on, Moselle is sitting with Cicely in her room when Louis comes in to check on her. Cicely isn't having it. She says she doesn't want her father to see her. Moselle takes note of that comment and gives her brother a look.
0: And Lewis sees that his daughter is embarrassed and tries to reassure her by saying, It's just doctor stuff, but they can take her to a lady doctor if she prefers that. Why does she have so much shame about her period? Mm, it's the deep south in the 1960s. Mm.
1: So, ah, uh. Sounds about right.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. It's just a time full of shame. <laughs>
0: And it hasn't ever stopped. Nope. Especially oh, if you that's, got a vagina. That's dark. Ooh. Nobody likes a bleed. Nobody likes a bleeder for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Eve goes out with her newfound freedom and finds herself at the market. She looks at all the stands and finds herself wanting a pineapple. She asks the man how much for the fruit, and he says twenty-five cents. And Eve just looks at these pineapples, man. Like she's looking. <laughs> and she just decides I'm not gonna pay for one. That's a snatched
1: apple, but I'm... <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you write
0: your own jokes.
1: Yeah, just 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 me. Just, <laughs> just, just, just me on that joke. Okay. All right. Hey. Y'all,
0: hey, hey. We support you. <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> you. So she runs with the fruit and gets spooked by Alzora who calls her a bad girl while smoking a cigarette and straight up laughing. Like she's just like it's like she just wants to spook this kid.
1: <laughs> but
0: it's great. It's, quite
1: it's fantastic. The it's a look. Back at the family home, Lewis and Roz discuss Cicely's well-being and suggest that she takes a break from the family on recommendation from a psychologist friend.
0: Roz tells Lewis that she thinks Cicely blames her for Lewis's infidelity, claiming that she pushed him away. She also thinks that the slap might have sent Cicely over the edge. You
1: think? That was a deaf <laughs> Yeah. Ring in her ear! <laughs> You so really came down on her.
0: So, Louis reassures Roz that that's not the case, and they suggest that Cicely spend some time away from the family at her other grandmother's house. Cicely says, bet, I'll go stay with other grandma. <laughs> and Eve, this poor baby, she's broken up about her sister leaving, and she tells Cicely, here we go, let's get the tears up. If you leave me alone with them, I'll die. I'll just die, Cicely. Like, What's wrong with you? Why won't you tell me? Is it me? Is it something I did? Why won't you talk to me?
1: It's a beautiful performance, Jenna.
0: <laughs> Bro. Very well done. Oscars in the making. <laughs> Send me an Emmy. Uh. I'll use a Tony as a, what are those things called? Um, Coaster, yeah.
1: A paperweight.
0: (laughs) Oh. Ooh, because I'll need to hold
1: all my money down. (laughs) Speak it into existence, baby. Speak it into existence. (laughs) Manifest your destiny. (laughs) (laughs) So, Cicely tells Eve that she's not mad at her, that she's her only true friend, actually. Eve probes for more information. Cicely says that she overheard Mom and Dad fighting one night about Maddie Moreau. Maddie had been seen hanging around Lewis's office lately, which had folks around the bayou talking. We learned that this was part of Cicely's reason for sneaking out of the house to visit her father earlier on. Uh, Mm
0: Oh, yeah. So Cicely describes going downstairs that same night to find their father in the sitting room. She tries to comfort him like any child would their favorite parent after an argument, And she kisses him on the cheek, and that innocent gesture turns for the worse when Louis kisses Cicely back on the mouth Mm. like she's a lady. Um. Mm. Uh. And Cicely is alarmed by this and pushes her dad away, like, duh, and this angers Louis, and then he smacks
1: her. With this new information, Eve takes on the mantle of avenging her sister. Mm Mm-hmm,
0: 100%. We cut to a tearful goodbye as Roz prepares to take Cicely to her mom's
1: house. Moselle and Eve are sitting on the porch when Cicely, preparing to leave, looks out the car window. She places her finger to her lips, signaling to Eve to keep quiet. Moselle takes note of this. Sometime
0: later, Eve is stewing over her father's absence once again. Moselle tries to make an excuse for him. Maybe he's run into some traffic. And Eve reminds her yet again, it's Sunday.
1: Out of nowhere, Eve asks Moselle how to kill someone with voodoo. <laughs> Bro, you acting kind of sus. Don't say
0: don't ask people those questions. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Clear search history. <laughs> <laughs> how do you murder a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> How do you get away with murder? Like, no, don't, don't say that to people. Moselle asks why she wants to know, but Eve doesn't want to say. So Moselle tries to divine it out of her by pressuring Eve to offer her her hands.
1: Eve does offer her hands, but quickly pulls away, stunting Moselle's vision and leaving her frustrated.
0: The cutest score begins as we see a montage of Eve while she's prepping to
1: kill her dad. She puts pins in her stuffed animals and gathers some of his hair off of a comb, and she even steals $20 from Lewis's money clip.
0: Ooh, and the next, she goes to the market, looking for Alzora and runs into Mr. Moreau. Woo! Hmm. She tells him that she's just looking for some apples and ends up questioning him about how much time he really spends away from home. She's trifling. She's trifling. But Mm -hmm. I'm here for it Mm -hmm. because the tea is hot. Mm -hmm. Eve! Hey, that's what you get for being a shitty adult. (laughs) Like, if, 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 like, adults ain't on it, the children will do something about it. That's just kind of how it works sometimes. Children
1: and animals, they see it all. Eve insinuates that Maddie doesn't seem too lonely while Mr. Moreau is gone, making sure to mention that her daddy comes home late lots and that her mom is the lonely type, unlike Daddy and Maddie. Ooh, and the tea run is over. Can I get a sip? Mm. Don't
0: burn my lips. (laughs) This is where it all starts to click for Mr. Moreau. The realization that you, my friend have been
1: had. You got got, my guy. You got got. (laughs) 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 And Eve finds Elzora
0: shopping near the market and inquires about her services. Alzora tries to brush off Eve until she eyes that 20, 20, $20 bill.
1: My girl snatches that 20 with the quickness, almost gives little Eve whiplash. Elzora then leads Eve down the boardwalk towards her office, which is really just her home.
0: Get that tax write off, girl. <laughs> Eve asks Alzora if she could use her voodoo to kill someone for her. And Alzora asks if she wouldn't rather something to just
1: protect her from the person that she wants death. Mm-mm. Eve wants death, not protection. So Alzora complies and is pretty surprised when she sees that Eve already has the necessities for a spell. Remember the hair she took from her daddy's comb and that cute little montage? Mm-hmm. So Alzora mm-hmm. takes the hair and tells Eve to visit her again the following Thursday
0: night. While waiting for Elzora to make her a voodoo doll, Eve starts practicing by sticking needles in her sock monkey. You know, this girl is just out here bare plotting. She's making a list. She's checking it twice. She's gonna find out if she's gonna slaughter you tonight, cause Eve <laughs> Baptiste is kicking your ass like she's gonna like she's gonna cut you. Well, but while she was sneaking out to Elzora's to collect her voodoo doll, Eve overhears Louis coming home late once again. Again,
1: at least he's consistent. Yo. But damn. Eve takes one step onto Elzora's porch and is greeted with, get the hell off my property before I cook you and
0: eat you. (laughs) That's some real witch shit if you ask me, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Elzora realizes it's Eve and lets her inside. Eve thinks that she's going to collect a voodoo doll and just be on her very merry
1: way. Mm -mm. But Elzora had already done the deed. She made a wax coffin, put Lewis's hair inside the mouth of a snake, and buried it in a graveyard. Simple as that. She says with all that, Lewis should already be dead by now.
0: Shit is really getting real now, folks. Like, he isn't ready to fully face the fact that she actually paid a voodoo lady to kill her dad.
1: Shit happens, man. Fuck around (laughs) and find out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Forrest Gump. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shit happens.
0: <laughs> Jenny. In a panic, Eve goes searching for her father and finds him in a bar near the train tracks. Similar to the tracks seen in Moselle's vision earlier on. She finds Lewis in the bar with none other than
1: brrr, Maddie Moreau, everyone. Mm, who that sunk it? <laughs> the bartender. Who that who that? <laughs> The bartender sees Eve enter the bar and turns to Louis to say, looks like you've been busted, doc. But Louis doesn't really care. It's water off a hoe's back. (laughs) (laughs) So sleek.
0: (laughs) The man just thinks that there's a horseshoe hanging out of his ass.
1: But maybe his luck has run out this time. Mm. Just maybe. I hope so. Lewis tells Eve to wait outside while he says goodnight to Maddie mm, the nervousest Whatever. Eve goes outside just as Mr. Lenny Moreau pulls up to the bar looking like a man that has nothing and everything to lose he goes directly into the bar and asks Lewis straight if he's been fucking his wife mm, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and Lewis being Lewis <laughs> kind of just chuckles at Lenny's pain And this cheeses Lenny, so he tells Lewis to keep his fucking hands to himself and that he should be embarrassed, embarrassed for carrying on like this.
1: Aren't you embarrassed, sir? Aren't you? Mm -hmm. Within a beat, Lenny drags Maddie out of the bar and Lewis follows them out acting all cool and even has the audacity to yell after them saying, You go home. Sleep off that whiskey, old man. You can apologize to me tomorrow. And then Lenny was
0: like, you speak to her again? You're dead, Louis. Oh, shit. And then Louis was like, good night, Maddie. Ooh. And well, that was enough for Lenny to pull out the strap. Which means that for Louis, it's a wrap. Oh. Bah, 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 bah <laughs> R.I.P., my dog. With your trifling yes. ass. Mm-hmm. And next, we're at Louis's funeral. Cicely is distraught. Eve is tripping balls because in the corner of her eye, she thinks that she sees Alzora dressed in a white dress with a black veil.
1: After the funeral, we see Roz in bed with her three kids. It's a beautiful image, but it's also sad. Like, what are they going to do now?
0: You know, you can see all the worry and fear on their faces.
1: Next, we see Eve sitting in a tree. Moselle approaches and gives her some advice about life. She begins to tell Eve about a dream she had, which revealed to her that her old self had died so that her new self could be happy, that she'll be able to love and to finally experience love without fear.
0: Moselle has one last thing to say to Eve before she goes. Oi, it turns out that Louis gave her a message for his youngest daughter. Check this one out. Just wait. Tell Eve I still owe her that dance.
1: Eve goes into her dad's office and starts tinkering with his belongings, his stethoscope, his hat. Then she finds a letter written to Moselle from Louis offering his perspective on what happened that fateful night with Cicely.
0: He throws Cicely under the bus hard. Like, even in death, he's a prick. Like, maybe Moselle must have approached him about the glimpse of insight she caught from touching Eve's hands momentarily. Or because of how Cicely reacted to her father wanting to examine her after she got her first period. I
1: don't know, Maybe. man. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, he felt the need to explain his side of things and claim that Cicely tried to seduce him and that he was so cut up about hitting her. Eve believes what the letter says and goes to confront her sister.
0: And Eve just rushes Cicely, you know? Like she's just calling her a liar and she's demanding that she tell her the truth about what happened. And Cicely says that she's not lying. So Eve offers Cicely her hands in an attempt to see what happened. Eve sees the truth, and without any words, the letter is thrown into the bayou by the sisters, never to be seen again.
1: Through this story, we get to see just how unreliable the brain and memory are. The film ends with a powerful line from the narrator. Like others before me, I have the gift of sight. The truth changes color depending on the light, and tomorrow can be clearer than yesterday. Memory is the selection of images, some elusive, others printed indelibly on the brain. Each image is like a thread, each thread woven together to make a tapestry of intricate texture, and the tapestry tells a story, and the story is our past. Mm. Wow! ha 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 ha! Don't,
0: don't, don't end on, like, a solid note or art. Like, that's it. That's, that's it, everyone. That's it. There you go. Another Casey Lemons joint. You know, this was her debut feature, and it wasn't easy, but she got it made, even with some skepticism from white audiences. You know, at a talk back after a screening of the film, a white audience member had the cacosity <laughs> to comment that, Black people don't dress like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, And the funny thing, though, that the line producer for the film, who is a black man, led the production a vintage dress that the character Moselle is seen wearing, you know, in that party scene in the very beginning Mm -hmm. of the film. Mm -hmm. And you know that one, the pearl one? Mm -hmm. That was his mama's dress. That's not the only... His
1: mother's. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not the only thing she had problems with. She also hit a snag with casting Eve. She'd gone through all these young actresses trying to find the right Eve. And Casey actually felt like an imposter, like she had led this whole crew down a fruitless path. So she flew back to L.A. where she auditioned Journey, who turned out to be perfect and was cast right away. While Journey was auditioning, her brother Jake was in the waiting room when Casey got the idea to ask Jake to audition for Poe. And, well, you can see that it all worked itself out from there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and according to Casey Lemons, her director's cut of the film was drastically different from the final mm. cut scene in theaters. Yeah, it eliminated an entire major character from the film, a mute character by the name of Uncle Tommy. Huh. This character was inspired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was inspired by the uncle that she actually grew up living with as a kid, and she drew a lot of inspiration from her life and her family, and the character Uncle Tommy was meant to see Lewis and Cicely kissing. Ooh. And she was pressured. Yeah, 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 for real. Wouldn't that change the whole movie? For real. <clears throat> mm-hmm. She was pressured to cut the character by a producer in case he hasn't named any names or put any word in anybody else's mouth. But we can assume in some kind of way that ableism had something to do with with why the character was cut out.
1: You know, it would have been great if this film did have representation for differently abled characters, but we can chalk that up to a sign of the times that the film was made. And, you know, despite that, it still slaps, you know. It slaps and it claps (laughs) cheeks. It's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It still created representation for middle to upper class black people. And I think when this movie came out, you know, we were pretty much still used to seeing mostly films about black people as gangbangers or slaves. So this movie was obviously
1: trying to do something different. Yeah. The movie is set in the South and doesn't play on any of the poor Southern stereotypes or even racism. How refreshing. You know, actually, there were no white people in the entire movie. This was done on purpose to signify that whiteness isn't the only thing that can cloud a black world. That there are communities... 100%. That there are communities that are just out here living complex lives that don't revolve around racism.
0: And, right? (laughs) hallelujah! (laughs) (laughs) And removing racism from the storyline left room for the family to explore details of the humanity, like mental health, because... The way that they handle Cicely's depression, because, you know, that's basically what it is, Mm -hmm. is perfect. Mm -hmm. They already had a psychologist friend that they are taking advice from. And Casey Lemons paints a picture for us of a black family that
1: takes mental health seriously. I wish we had gotten to explore the aftermath of Cicely's period, because we can see that it's a big issue and that it's a catalyst for not just her womanhood, but for some of the conflict in the film. Ah, uh, I
0: remember my first bloodshed. I'm actually <laughs> bleeding right now. <laughs> Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, <laughs> no. Happy Krampus. Uh, I was. <laughs> Happy Krampus. <laughs> Merry Krampus.
1: Merry Crisis. Merry Chrysler. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell us your period story.
0: <laughs> I was probably like 12 years old, and I was playing with. Trevor Rolston, Tyler Rolston, they were brothers, and then Fitzpatrick. and Fitzpatrick. We were playing like guns in the woods or whatever, you know, where you just go like, oh, shoot you, you're dead, whatever. <laughs> and like, I lived probably like maybe four houses down from my elementary school where the woods were. And I like, I really had to go pee. So I'm like, yo, guys, gotta go pee. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's run. And so we went, I took a pee, and I was just like looking down because I always look down when I'm on the toilet because I don't know why I don't like looking up, but I don't like looking forward. It's, <laughs> I like looking down. It's just how I feel. <laughs> And look at where the business is at. I looked. Yeah. I'm like, it's down. <laughs> it's down here. Um and like I look at my panty and like all I see is red. And I'm like, I know exactly what this is, but it was kinda like in the fifth element where she's like like, like, going through all that information, like, when she's like, oh, chicken, and she looks at all the war and everything, it was, like, all the movies I'd ever seen of, like, a teenage life mm-hmm. had, like, flashed before my very eyes in a Rolodex, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, no! Like, I have the thing! Like, the thing has to happen now. Like, I have this for the rest of my life, and I gotta do the thing, but I don't know really what the thing is, but I know I gotta do something about it. And so uh i was yelling my mom was like on the computer or something or reading a book either way she was definitely just like ignoring me or ignoring us whatever and i was just like i had to yell for like at least a half hour being like mom 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 and then i go up and i'm like lady like i'm bleeding like you need to take me to the store and do the thing that ladies have to do when they have the thing like what are you doing and like so we uh take ourselves to the nearest variety store which is the hasty mart we're not doing product placement but that's just where we went Mm -hmm. and (laughs) if you want to sponsor us you can um but we went and got the pads and that's what i've been using ever since i've now like converted to like tampons over like the last maybe two years Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. like that's an evolution i'm a big solid pad fan just because i don't i don't want no leaks i want to go to bed knowing that like i don't have to wake up and do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do
1: anything. <laughs> I just want it to be over. I remember and that's 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 mine. My first bloodshed was far less traumatizing, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> it was the morning of March twenty fourth, two thousand and one um shout out to my big brother that's his birthday um (laughs) i remember having a, a stomach ache the night before uh i had gone to bed and i look back on it now when i know that that was cramps um but i didn't have the facility to really understand what it was at the time i had gone through sex ed and i knew what to expect for um my first period but yet still Um, I just was like, oh, I've got a stomachache. I'm going to go to sleep. And then when I woke up the next morning, I uh, went similarly, I I went to the washroom and I pulled my underwear down and I sat on the toilet and I looked down like you, Jenna. I often like to look at where the business is happening. Uh, I looked down at my panties and saw red and I screamed for my mother. And my mom was downstairs in the living room with my older sister, who later told me that mm-hmm. when my mom heard me scream, she turned to her and called it immediately. She said she heard my blood-curdling scream and uh, and clocked to my sister that I had just gotten my period. Um, I, got a, uh, I got a pad handed to me and some... Uh, uh, In my culture, it's custom that when uh, you get your first period, you're given a boiled egg to symbolize um, fertility. Mm. Shout out to the patriarchy. Um, And then you're given, uh, you know, the talk about the birds and the bees. Um, so all in all, it was a pretty, a pretty good experience. I would like to hope that, um, anyone who gets their first period, uh, doesn't go through what Sicily went through and that if you have a uterus and you are one that menstruates, I think that, uh, I would, I would hope that you had someone like my mother in your life who, who, who would be so caring (laughs) and to, to give you an egg. Yeah. I hope you get an egg, but not but, right. but w- i hope you get that egg without the pressure of procreation because you know fuck that <laughs> yeah no
0: just boiling like you just wanted to boil the egg you yeah. just want a hard boiled one just a
1: hard boiled egg with egg no pressure. <laughs> oh man
0: in conclusion casey lemons is a boss yes. yes yes she is yes she is and if you haven't seen any of her other films stop sleeping Right? Check out Harriet, which premiered at TIFF in 2019. Snap, 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 as well as Self Made, inspired
1: by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, which she directed a few episodes of, gang gang. And if you're on that Marvel tip, she directed an episode of Luke Cage as well.
0: Yes, Casey. We love her. We do. And we love you for loving her. We and do. Love you for loving her, loving us, loving her. Mm-hmm. But I'm all loved out right now, though. I'm tired. Just for now. Just for this episode. Yeah, just, just for now. <laughs> no, just for now.
1: Folks, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Ghouls and Galdem podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Ghouls and Galdem. That's G-H-O-U-L-Z-N-G-Y-A-L-D-E-M. mm And let us know what black horror film you'd like us to review next. Yes! Slide in those DMs, send us your recommendations, show us some love, and tell all your friends about us. Ghouls and Galdem is a Bone Lace production in association with Two Skins Entertainment.
0: Editing for this episode is done by Andy Dolgan and our very own Khadija rabat Abdullah And our theme song was recorded by Trombotai.